Greetings, and welcome to Dang That's Weird, where we explore life's weirdest moments. I'm your host, Spencer Worth-Davis, and today I'm joined by the host of Our Strange Skies podcast, several other podcasts, UFO researcher, all-around great dude, Rob Christofferson. Rob, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's always great to talk about the weirdness that has taken place in my life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is a topic which uh, I think you're pretty familiar with oh absolutely totally (laughs) and very and deeply familiar with it (laughs) so we basically have one question here at Mm -hmm. dang that's weird and that is what is the strangest or i i suppose i should say weirdest experience you've ever had (laughs) funny thing is is like for me and when I tell people this, you, you kind of get different reactions, but it's like I've had a lifetime of very strange experiences that run the gamut. They're not all the same. They are <clears throat> varied in many ways, starting from when I was just a kid. Uh, I, I don't really experience a lot these days, but um, I think the the weirdest experience of mine goes back to 2012. And... Uh, the year before I had gotten a job, uh, same job I'm working at now, I work at a nursing home doing uh, the laundry. So uh, it's usually, usually up early uh, day for, do- for those days and going in at about, you know, like four or five in the morning, working early shift out early and is pretty is pretty routine. I don't, I don't take the same route anymore, and I don't think it's because of this experience. I think just because, like, the other route that I found was faster, and, and it shaved, like, I don't know, like, maybe 10 minutes off the walk. But I my usual route, um, I would, you know, cut down uh, this one street called Second Street. This was in it's probably August of 2012. It was really warm. It was one of those like warm, sticky mornings where it didn't really cool down the night before. It was really hot the day, uh, the day previous and it, like kind of uncomfortable, but, uh, walking to work and I go and make that usual turn down that street. And like, I'm a person that has a lot of situational awareness. Uh, and, and I think it's like one of the best qualities that anybody could have because like you're really, you 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 have really good kind of uh, use of your peripheral vision. Like you you know how to like pick up on things that are at the sides, uh, you know, happening just out of your view. And um, I'm I'm someone that notices things, especially when they're out of place. And I would imagine, especially if you're you're walking around that you've walked hundreds of times before, right? Like anything out of yeah. place is going to be especially at four o'clock in the morning, like there's probably not a whole lot going on typically. No, no. Um, I, I live in a pretty small town of like, it's about, it's under 3000 people that live here. And occasionally you'll see a car too early in that early in the morning, but uh, not that much. We don't, we don't even have 24 hour policing here anymore. So um, at the end of the street, I could see all the way down because you got it from that. The end of the street, you have a pretty good view of the entire street up until there's like a, it dips down 
kind of like a short hill at the end and I could see something and like usually around this time of year you're you're seeing more deer out because you're basically kind of in the middle of the woods where I live toward the end of the street I could see this something uh that was on this person's lawn so I just kind of assumed it was a deer I'm like all right no big deal walking down the street and it'll probably run off and when I get to it cuz it's just what deer do so uh i'm the kind of person that walks with headphones like i i usually have headphones on most of the time so sure like while my peripheral vision's good i'm not i'm not hearing things so yeah just walking down and uh i'm getting closer and like whatever it is you can kind of see that it it's like maybe hunched over or something like it looks bigger than it should be. Um, and once I, that's a terrible sentence. It looks bigger than it should be. Sucks. Sorry. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. That that was the first time where I was like, Oh, and now I'm scared. Great. (laughs) Like living where I do, you're familiar with the wildlife that's there. You've got deer, it's very rare that you see bear, but sometimes you do. Um, foxes, raccoons, skunks. That's it. And this was and not, none of those things. No, no, mm. it, it wasn't because it was like <sighs> approaching it. You could kind of see that it looked like it was just hunched down, whatever it was. Um, and where it was hunched over, it was... On this one person's lawn, kind of, uh, and, and the way that this person's lawn was is that there was a slight incline maybe of, like, five feet before you got to, like, uh, the where their home was. So they had kind of a hill, a little bit of a hill in front of it. And at the base right off the shoulder, uh, on the shoulder of the road, was where this thing was. And I stopped maybe, like... 35 feet, 30, 35, somewhere around there. And I was just staring at it because it was unusual. It was like, I I don't really know how to explain it other than I just knew that it wasn't normal. How how big are we talking? Like hunched over. The, the, The thing was, it's like even hunched over this thing. It, it, you could tell that it was standing on two feet at the time. So like okay. there aren't things other than bears that can really stand on two feet right. where I live. And I'm like, no, right. I was saying a bear because like, it's not, it doesn't have the structure of a bear whatever it was. It, it wasn't robust. It wasn't like a large, like an incredibly large creature, but it was something off. So I stopped and maybe for a couple seconds, like what a, it, it was still hunched over. And eventually it stood up. Its back was completely towards me. And then it kind of did um, kind of like a three quarter turn toward me. And man, this thing was weird in it was probably about let's say four and a half feet tall 
Okay. And it's standing under, you know, the these orange colored streetlights. So you can't totally get a total like good estimate of what color it was, but I just kind of got the impression that it looked green, like a like a maybe like a darker colored green. Cuz this is before the sun is up, it's still dark out. Yeah, it's still completely dark out okay. by this point. And it has a very human-looking face. Um, Are we talking fur, skin, no scales, S- scaly, Ugh. very, very scaly? Like you could see, kind of like the like uh, the segments of the skin, and it looked like it would have been rough if you were to touch it. But four and a half feet tall, scaly thing standing tall. on its back legs, looking at you from thirty feet away. Yeah. N- not standing on its back, like standing on its legs. Like this thing was bipedal. <laughs> Fuck, that's like, an important distinction. <laughs> uh, and it had this oh, no. kind of tail, this kind of tail that was thick at the base and it kind of came up a little bit, maybe uh, like two or three feet. And it was looking at me. It, it like did this three quarter turn and it was looking at me. And like the thing that caught me about it was like, as a human, you could kind of you could relate the looks that you get to like other human ac- interactions that you've had. Like when you when you look at a dog, you can in the face you can you can gauge a dog's kind of reaction. Like you know what uh, a, a dog's look kind of conveys. You know what a cat's yeah. look kind of conveys. You you know what most wild animals when they have a certain look on their face, what that conveys. This one was just like curiosity, like, like up towards you or about you. Yeah, it was, it was like, so like from what I remember about its facial features, like most of the time when you see like people draw like reptilian, like creatures, they have these big eyes, but this, this thing didn't, it had like smaller, more like human looking eyes it didn't really have much of a nose, but you could kind of discern like nostrils and kind of a, a small mouth, like not not very defined lips, but you could make out where the mouth was. And it stood there and it stared at me like partially out of curiosity, but it, it just also kind of felt like you were not necessarily like a wild animal looking at you, but it's just like another person. Like say you're in a bar and you're drunk and (laughs) guess what? You rub elbows with somebody and they're looking at you, trying to measure you up. It kind of felt like that a little bit. Yeah. And we're just staring at each other for like a few seconds. And it was then that I noticed like it, it had something in its hands and I don't really know what it was, but it was round and it it was white in color, like maybe even an off white in color. But okay. just standing there staring at each other for like five seconds until this creature turns around, like vaults up this like five foot incline in like one step and just runs into this person's backyard. And then just gone. 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 And I remember feeling like weird afterwards. Like I, yeah, no shit. 
Well, but it's just like, I wasn't totally afraid. Like I was like, Hey, maybe I should get the hell out of here. But like, yeah, not completely terrified of what I had experienced. It was, it's just like, it's like you walked up on someone, uh, you know, unexpectedly and just that passing glance that you have at each other before running off, except this person ain't human. He's like some reptilian looking thing as best as I could describe it. One of my like main questions or I don't know, whenever I hear stories about unexplained stuff, whether it be something like this or a UFO sighting or a ghost sighting or whatever, I'm always curious about what happened afterwards because it seems like it should be such a pivotal sort of earth shattering moment to see something totally unexplainable, not of this reality, whatever it might be. And so often people just keep going. <laughs> like, did you just, yeah. did you just go to work? Like, yep. what'd you do right afterwards in that, in the moment after that? And I, and I think I could kind of relate to how some people would, would react to something like that. You, you, it's like you stepped out of normalcy for a moment. You stepped out of your normal life for a moment and you viewed something that is beyond what your normal life experience, uh, you'd expect out of that. And I just went around, went on with the rest of my day. Like, yeah, I told, I didn't even tell anybody uh, about it at the time. I didn't because I didn't think anybody would like would believe it yeah. to be honest or like and even if they know, do then what exactly we're going like, to go find this guy you, <laughs> right do you I, want, I remember telling do you want a, to find the lizard man who lives in the woods probably not right and like here's the thing like I live in a place that gets as cold as Minnesota does so like yeah. it's not conducive to, to like a lot of like lizards or reptilian type creatures. We, we don't have a lot, like it's just not that kind of area. So it's like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't fit for, you know, what, what you would expect for this kind of, um, this kind of place. But it was just like, yeah, I, I, I still don't even know how to put it into a category because like, like the lizard man of Skateboard Swamp, if you it's a swamp, yeah, you kind of expect that because it's like warm and muggy down there. But like, I mean, you expect lizards. I don't know about no. I don't know about bipedal lizard men. I'm, I'm not I'm not really right. expecting that anywhere. But you could see like maybe making the mistake at least of mm-hmm. there's a giant lizard. Okay, that right. might that might be possible. Probably not in in. Upstate New York. No, def- definitely not. Like upstate New York is more Bigfoot country. Like sure. You, Much uh, like northern even, Minnesota. Yeah, we get Yeah. Yeah. Like uh even once you get like a little further south, you start to really get into the the big Bigfoot territory, especially in the Hudson River Valley, has a lot of Bigfoot sightings. Um 
kind of the southern tip of the Adirondacks has uh, your, your the majority of your Bigfoot sightings, but like yeah, it's just kind of completely out of out of the range of like because when you hear about these kind of creature sightings, your first inkling is to go to like well the habitat what would make something conducive to living in an area like that and there is nothing in the adirondacks that make me think that a creature like this would live in in here do you think that it was a an animal like a physical animal of some kind in like the very vague sense that you would look at a human being as an animal, because like we are last to look at ourselves as purely as animals, like, sure. because we are, you know, self-aware, our, our brains work at such a, a high level. May, okay. Maybe do you think it was some sort of biological, physical entity? Like, do you think mm-hmm. there was a, a being there? Okay. Yeah. And like, I, and like the only thing I'm kicking myself for is the fact that I never took my headphones off. So I don't know, like, I can't <laughs> tell you that when this thing ran away, that it, that it made a sound on the, on the grass or anything like that. It I might can't have been, say that. It might've been talking to you the whole time. It could have been, but like, uh, <laughs> you know, I had a good vantage point of view, the good viewpoint because it was standing directly under streetlight. So yeah. like it was pretty well illuminated. But do um, noise canceling headphones cancel out telepathic communication? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> Aliens of the universe. Uh, <laughs> we're going to need to know if you speak telepathically, maybe just like drop me a line. Uh, I'm wearing my headphones like all the time. So just just hit me up. So, OK, in the immediacy, you just went to work because what the fuck else can you do in that moment? You can't call into work and say, I saw a lizard man. I got to go find him. Right. You're, you're not going to have a job anymore. Was there a point later where it sort of set in or like, was what, what, what was the long-term effect, I guess, of seeing that thing that morning? It wasn't even a fixture in my mind for a while. I would say like, like it was something that I thought about for a while, but it's it's like once you get in the routine of what you're supposed to do with your day, those kind of thoughts just drift out of your mind because you're so focused on the task. Like the the kind of person that I am, like um I'm not a very social person when I'm doing a task. I'm a very, you know, focused person on what I have to do to get this particular job done and in being that kind of person i don't necessarily have the most welcoming expression on my face most of the time because i'm i'm here to get the job done like sure uh and and most of the time unless it's conducive to to my task and that i can get it done with some you know a a certain measure of leisure built into it i'm focused on the task i'm not worried about anything else other than getting that done in that in that moment so like i put a lot of stuff out of my head once i get through those doors start doing my job and then after it 
I don't think I thought about it for a while. I don't think uh, it crossed my mind until it's like one day. It's like, holy crap, I experienced that. Yeah. And then and then you start to get into the areas of self-doubt. It's like, no, you must have saw a person or something like that. But it's like, no, because your brain, your brain holds on to what what happens. Your brain can remember what happens, but like your brain has a has a way of tricking you to making you believe that it wasn't as weird as you thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of convince myself that yeah, yeah it was. You you don't see stuff like that every day. Yeah. So y- your brain does these weird things where I, I don't even think it's necessarily kind of like a, you know, any form of kind of protecting yourself or protecting your person or anything like that, because I don't think what I experienced is like earth shattering to the point where my brain should like, like where it, where it would heavily affect me. Maybe if something else had happened and it wasn't just this like five second stare down, mm-hmm. then maybe I, you know, my brain would, like come up with better coping mechanisms. But I think it's just like, well, if it's not in the norm, we're going to kind of, your brain's going to kind of filter that out a little bit. You won't, it won't totally be gone from your memory, but um, it'll try to come up with ways to downplay what you've seen. Yeah. That's always interesting to me because what do you do with that information? Right. Right? It's not, it's not of any practical use. No, you can't, it's not enough information to you can't go track this thing down. You can't recreate that interaction. There's no thread to pull at to get any more information than that little tiny glimpse that you got. Mm -hmm. But also you saw something that you should not, that shouldn't have existed. Yeah. And like that, that's the thing that, I, I don't get with certain skeptics. It's like, well, why wouldn't you remember this? Why wouldn't you remember that? Why in my normal daily routine would my brain hold on to something like that? Like, I, I just like, unless it is like heavily traumatic and it affects you. Yeah. Which that wasn't. It it, it didn't affect me like, you know, uh, other events in my life have affected me. It's just like, here's something that happened in your normal daily work life or your normal daily life. <laughs> right. You're going to forget most of that. It was five as, seconds like, out of a otherwise unremarkable day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm sure for some people, like they'll hold on to their incidents a little bit more, but like when you literally hear stories from people saying, Oh, I, I forgot about this for years. I totally get that now. I totally yeah. understand it because in a lot of ways, it feels like a mundane interruption in your day. That's, that's all it is. Right. Uh, a mundane interruption that um, maybe it, it, it is, it is kind of abnormal to your day, but not so far abnormal that it, that it totally disrupts your normal average day and, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. 
you said at the beginning that you've had other weird experiences going back to when you were a kid. This this was what you said ten years ago, twenty twelve. Yep. You had had strange experiences prior to that. Mm-hmm. Were they related in any way, or like were they similar? I guess in any way to seeing four and a half foot tall lizard men by the side of the road. No. That's the thing. It's like none of them ever feel related. They all feel like their own distinct things. By the time I had had, by the time this happened, uh, there was an incident when I was a kid uh, on Christmas, maybe five or six years old, um, getting up to go to the bathroom. It was like 1030 at night. Um, I'd gone back to my bedroom by that time. Um, but what was weird and what really like kind of catches me off about that particular, this particular incident is that before I had made it to the bathroom and, and the layout of where our apartment was is that my bedroom was right next to the, um, right out in the hallway, um, is the landing to the stairs that led down to our apartment door. And the door was old as hell. Like it, it was, it had one of those old school skeleton key locks on it that we didn't have a key to. So, like, like get this, like our apartment, there was no way to lock the door. <laughs> okay, so seems like so, a, and like like a problem by but. this. Yeah, uh, by this time, my dad was a village justice. So I'm like, it's probably not the best thing. And like, you nothing's probably going to happen. But like, if if people knew that the village justice of Saranac Lake, New York, lived in the top floor apartment where his door was unlocked. <laughs> yeah, you could just walk in any time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. But uh, the other thing was that the door didn't close that well. So... Uh, usually our downstairs neighbor would, would close it for us. It was a nice, uh, nice old couple named, uh, Freddie and, uh, 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 Betty. Freddie and Betty. Betty. They were, <laughs> they were, they were the best because they used to babysit us sometimes too. Um, but as I'm walking by the landing, because, you know, you can see the hallway light coming from down below the, the the doorway and I could see it. And like, I could tell that the door was closing because you could see that light getting smaller. So, you know, I just assumed that it was Betty that was doing it. Uh, Cause she was the one that was home more and, you know, just go to the bathroom, get back in bed and maybe two, three minutes later, I see the short figure standing in my doorway and like, it's got the hallway light behind it, so I can't really get... I only get kind of like a, a silhouette version of it, but it looks like a lawn gnome. Like, the way that a lawn gnome is structured. Like, it's the short, stout figure that kind of has this pointy... Like, its head, like, terminates in a point. So it looks like a lawn gnome. So I'm like... Just standing well, in the doorway. Standing in the doorway, so... um. I just assume, you know, it's Christmas. This has got to be one of Santa's guys. So you said you were kind of just, you you were like five or six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. uh, Solid kid logic. Yeah. Kid logics. One of Santa's guys. (laughs) I don't remember anything after that other than it walked in front of my, in in front of my bed. And I don't know. So you actually saw this thing moving around. 
not just yeah. oh yikes yeah i wasn't scared though i really wasn't scared uh and well, i'm yeah, like he's, and, he's bringing your presents you can't you can't scare them yeah. off gotta be chill well it's always interesting too because like my my dad's side of the family is from norway my dad was the first generation uh, of uh our family that was born in norway so or born in uh the united states so uh there are the legends of the nisser which are gnome-like figures that visit you on christmas so it kind of it kind of falls in line with that so huh. i didn't learn about that till a lot later but beyond that like some kind of like you know ghostly things like i've heard um one of the things with the with my childhood home when you're growing up is that usually around like five o'clock or maybe just a little before that in the afternoon, it always sounded like if you were in another room, the front door would open and close, or at least it, it sounded like that was happening. You would hear the sound and like, we didn't think really anything of it, but was the this, only other thing was this the that, same place with the door that didn't lock or was this a different? No, okay. no, this was, um, uh, about like, uh, I want to say like a few years after that, we moved into, um, a house and it was, I don't know, it was kind of a, it, it, it always got kind of creepy vibes in it, but it wasn't like, you know, off putting or anything like that, but it, it was kind of a, it, it had odd things about it, odd sounds that you would hear every now and then, but nothing serious but when i was living there as a teenager i had my first ufo sighting and it was just after my sister moved out of our house i had moved into her bedroom and we had put my bed right by the window and i was i was going to bed one night probably around like 9 nine thirty. i looked out the window and I could see this orange light, this orange colored light. And it would kind of disappear. Then it would like reappear in a different spot. So it would move kind of like back and forth in a way, like from left to right, left to right over and over again. You'd see it like turn on, turn off, and then it would turn on in a, in a different spot, turn back off. And then it would it did this for a couple of minutes until... I was just like, that's cool. I'm going to bed now. No big deal. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's a UFO. If yeah. there's ever, you know, because like, Hey, there aren't, there aren't generally orange colored things in the sky that do that. So, no. uh, went to bed, kind of forgot everything about it. And then, uh, our family watched Unsolved Mysteries kind of like kind of religiously every week. Um, when it you was had on. to. You didn't have a choice in the '90s. Unsolved Mysteries is on. You got to watch it. You've got to watch it. And like, I we'd been watching that since I was a kid. Probably like like we watched it when I was like six, seven years old. So it's kind of always been there. But there's this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. It's kind of this like UFO special. It, it it showed a lot of abduction stuff, and I remember the Allagash abductions, which is kind of this 
infamous abduction that took place in, in Maine in the 1970s, in which these four guys who were camping out in the, like, the remotest parts of Maine signaled a UFO with their flashlight, and they go through this abduction that is... It's terrifying because all four of the guys involved in it were artists and they all drew out sketches of what they had experienced. And there's one guy whose sketches in particular just unnerved the hell out of me because uh, just the way that he drew it made it so much worse to look at. After watching that segment on Unsolved Mysteries where they played kind of the hypnosis sessions, which if you listen to anybody's like hypnosis sessions, you can go on to YouTube and Google Betty and Barney Hill's hypnosis sessions. And there's um, what had happened was is that when they released the uh, audiobook version of The Interrupted Journey by John G. Fuller in the 1980s, they released portions of their hypnosis sessions on those tapes. And if you listen to them, like especially Barney Hill, when he's describing how he's looking at this UFO and these beings on board uh, and he can't pull his eyes away from it and he's screaming on tape, it, you get the kind of same thing with the Allagash guys is like you, you, it's heavily emotionally charged and stuff. And like that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Like, to the like, and, and I have no idea why. And I, I, I'm I mean, assuming first of I all, just connect. It's terrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> There's it plenty is. of reason to be scared about somebody screaming about being abducted by aliens because it's the scary. Yeah, absolutely. But it was like part of me, like then internalized it, like, oh god, I had a UFO sighting. What if that had happened to me? And then, right. for many years afterwards, I had this irrational fear that. I would get abducted at times like um, that. It could happen at any time. Like I couldn't take a shower at night. I had to take it during the day because I literally thought if I pulled back the shower curtain, there would be an alien standing there. Um, Probably didn't help that you were seeing gnomes in your house. No, no. But uh, even then I didn't even think about that. I didn't even see them as connected in any way. And these were all kind of, isolated things that just kind of happen but that's the only time that i've ever gone through anything where there was like some kind of fear generated out of it and for for a lot of years yeah i just like had this irrational fear that in certain moments i would be abducted by aliens so with all those experiences i know you've had some other ufo experiences too like, do you, do you try and explain those to yourself? Do you just have to accept that there are things that you've experienced that you will not be able to explain? I know, like, obviously you're pretty deep into UFO lore and research and all of that. Is that, do you think, related to or, like, because of some of the things that you've experienced or... Like, I guess, I guess a a more broad question is like, how have these things impacted you as, as when you take them all as sort of a a whole of like weird shit Rob has experienced? I think at a certain point when you've experienced enough, at least in my, uh, with my own experiences, it's just like, 
what's the point? Why are they, why are these things happening to me? Because yeah. you, you got to think there's got to be something behind it because like if you go online and you watch the arguments of people going back and forth about this kind of stuff, I've never really tried to want to explain where the stuff comes from and stuff, but that's always the argument you see people getting in online is like where the stuff comes from, what it is. Meaning like, is it it extraterrestrial or is it interdimensional or like that whole conversation? Is that what you're Yeah. And in my mind, I'm just trying to figure out, well, like, why is it doing that? Why does it give a shit about some pissing in Saranac Lake, New York? Like, why does that, why does that matter? What is the point of making these appearances? What does it get out of it? What is, what is the entire purpose behind that? And I think like, I think that more than who they are or where they come from is, is kind of like the drive to look into this stuff and not necessarily try to figure it out, but like just try to relate it to the experiences that I've had. Look for those folks that have had other, other similar type experiences, but like try and figure out the why, which is never an, never an answer that you can like, it's the, it's probably of the, uh, of the who's, what's, where's, when's and all that stuff. That's like the most difficult question to discern in all of this is why, why did these incidents happen? Why? Because like, especially if you don't know who it is, that seems like that would be a, a, crucial piece of information in getting to why sure or but what i think it that, is or whatever but i think when you when you're talking about maybe something that isn't knowable in as yeah. easy a fashion as you as you would like i think taking the the shot at the what um or the why is is always it's always kind of like because it never seems in all of these stories, it always seems like it's a right place, right time situation. But it, it, at the same time, it doesn't. It seems like it is planned. It is hmm. maybe not necessarily staged, but it is there for the purposes of those who are available to see it in one way or another for whatever purpose whether that's to, you know, rewire your brain or whether that's to like a a simple like clue that, Hey, maybe the world that you live in is a lot stranger than you think it is. Maybe there is something beyond your own terrestrial understanding of what's going on. And with that, it's, it seems more and more deliberate than it does right place at the right time yeah that's interesting because we're talking about like ufo and alien encrypted stuff especially i guess the ufo and alien hypothesis you Mm -hmm. would think if you are as 
advanced as as one would have to be to traverse either intergalactically or interdimensionally you wouldn't be seen on accident as much as mm-hmm. UFOs and aliens seem to be seen. There must right. be some intention behind those interactions. They don't see, you're right. They, they don't seem accidental or coincidental a lot of the time, especially when you then factor in that most people never have these types of experiences and some people have dozens of them. Mm-hmm. So there must be yeah. something happening there with some sort of intent behind it. It doesn't seem random. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of feels like that awkward kid at the school dance who really wants to, to like dance with somebody, but they're too nervous to do it. Yeah. But eventually they get up the courage to go over there and ask (laughs) someone. And at the same time, it's an incredibly weird experience being asked to go and dance with this person, but like the slow dance with the lizard man. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of it's it's kind of endearing. It's an, it's, flattering. it's interesting. <laughs> it is it is flattering, and um, yeah, it's just it, it's very awkward all the way around, and like that's kind of what it feels like half the time. It's like whatever this is, it plucked up the courage to stop and and stop somebody else to have an interaction with them one way or the other. And like, I think that's how I could best relate it in human terms and kind of like, you know, see it as something that isn't beyond that is, that isn't beyond like the spectrum of, you know, human terrestrial interaction. Like, yeah, there's something else out there and it's awkwardly asking you to dance. I love that. <laughs> uh, Rob, thank you. This has been uh this has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it, man. No, this is this has been fantastic. Um you should all go listen right now to Our Strange Skies, Rob's brilliant podcast. Um anything else that you wanna let people know about? Anything you you got coming up? No, just go go listen to the pod. That's uh that's where you get to that's where you get to see that that awkward, you know, uh dance play out in <laughs> in podcast form. So if if that intrigues you, go check that out. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Dang That's Weird is a production of Duvid Media. Make sure to check out all of our amazing shows, including Our Strange Skies, at duvid.media. If you have a weird story that you'd like to share, you can send an email to spencer at dangthatsweird.com or leave a voicemail at 612-208-2744. And until next time, keep it weird. Media.